I always knew as a pastor that seven was an important number in the Bible, and I always knew what it meant. But I want to share what I've learned this week because it really is all over the Bible. Seven is a number that's important to God, therefore it's important to us. Amen? It's important to God, therefore it's important to us. And if it's important to God, I'm going to grab a hold of that promise this year. Amen? And so whatever God does at our church, I believe he's going he's to overflow into your life. And so if God does miracles for us, he's going to do miracles for you. And so here's what uh, here's seven. Seven means the number of seven holds significant symbolic meaning in the Bible. It's often associated with completeness, perfection, and fulfillment. That's why you guys say, hey, girl, you're a seven. Okay, don't do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Girl, you're a seven, you know. This number has also been called the symbol of perfection and also a symbol of rest. Seven is all throughout the Bible over 700 times. We see it in Genesis. It took God seven days to create the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. Can I get an amen, right? Uh, Revelation has seven blessings to the seven churches and all throughout the book of Revelation. Because of those seven churches is that the Holy Spirit had a sevenfold spirit. Uh, also, Jesus, uh, Peter tells Jesus, Jesus, do I forgive that jerk seven times? Completion. And Jesus goes, no, seven times, 70. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, as well as the uh, in, in the Gospels, there were seven feasts of Israel that each lasted seven days. They knew how to party back then, all right? If you have a feast, Thanksgiving wasn't one day, it was seven days. The Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of all that. Also, Joseph had a, the, he interpreted a dream of the Pharaoh, and it was seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Because God is the one saying seven, seven. This is God's number. God, God, God picked this number. Elijah instructed the messenger to check seven times for rain. It's going to rain. Go check. He runs, comes back. There's no rain. There's no clouds. Check again. Check again. Check again. Seven different times. In the Genesis, there's a sevenfold promise to Abraham. I can keep going. Should I keep going? I will. How many know Noah? In Genesis chapter 7, how many know with Noah? Uh, how, many, how many animals of each animal did Noah put in the ark? Two, right? We all know that's the Sunday school answer. But if you really read your Bible, it says take with you seven pairs. This is God giving Noah who built the ark. Some of you just, you're just jacked up right now, aren't you? You're like, I don't know my Bible. I thought it was two this entire time. You're thinking back to your Sunday school teacher right now. Huh? Liar! But God said, I want you to take two pairs of every animal, but this good ones, the special ones, take seven pairs, male and female, of each animal that I have proved for eating and for sacrifice. Come on, somebody. Seven ribs. Seven, seven cows, you know. Okay. And take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of birds, the, the falcons and the eagles and the cardinals. and the, Okay, that's all. Okay. Ravens. Aye. There must be a male and female of each pair to ensure that, that all will survive on the earth after the flood. This is God. God is saying, you got two pairs, but now I want seven, and I want seven. And then check this out. He said, and then seven days from now. Y'all thought Las Vegas created seven, 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 the ultimate jackpot. But God did. And God said, seven days from now, make it rain. 
pour down on the earth, it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I wipe the earth from all living things I have created. So Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. Noah did everything the Lord instructed him. As I read through all of these different stories, man, I can go forever on the number seven, but as I read through all the stories, God said, here's some instructions. And then here's seven. He kind of he weasels it in there. Here's what I want you to do. And then it's going to represent completion. And through most of these stories that have the number seven in it, I've noticed that completion took place after following the instructions. Following the instructions. Jesus himself in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This is how good our God is. Remain in my love. But when you obey my commands, and in this culture, we don't like commands. Don't tell me what to do. Okay, instructions. Instructions. You remain in my love just that I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. What God does in this church will always overflow into your life. What God does here, if he can do it for us, he will do it for you. But I want to title today's message, Happy Seven. Man, when God completes us, there's joy in our life. When God fulfills us, there's joy in our life. So there's Happy Seven. And can I just tell you, as I, as I created a title for this message and I kept studying, I kept reading, at the very end, I placed a new title on this message entitled Simple Instructions. Simple instructions. Simple instructions. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray a long prayer, all right? Come on. We have a long prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, forever change us by your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 That was good, huh? I want to go back to what I said. Completion often takes place after obedience, after the instructions, after the instructions. After the instructions. Now, I don't really like following instructions. Is anybody else like that in here? Like, I'll help you out. If you go to Ikea and you buy one of them demonic things and you bring those home and there's no words in their instructions. It's just pictures. Like, and, and even this last week, my father-in-law and my stepfather, we built a Murphy bed. You know what a Murphy bed is? It's one of those hide-a-bed things. That's a demonic piece of equipment too. And they had all kinds of instructions. We started saying, we're going to make our own instructions. We know a better way of doing it. And sometimes in God's word, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all God's instructions. It's all of God's commands. And so I want to turn to someone in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 5 by the name of Naaman. By the name of Naaman. And Naaman was a mighty warrior. He worked for the king Aram. And, and, and he, he, was, he was, not only was he mighty, but he was successful because the Lord had given Aram great victories through Naaman. Naaman was legit. Naaman had a, had a great resume. Naaman produced, he talked the talk and he walked the walk. This is Naaman, but there was one problem with Naaman. He suffered from leprosy, which is fascinating because if you have leprosy, you have to isolate yourself. If, if you have leprosy, you can, you're contagious and you give it to others, and he was still able to lead an army without close proximity. So this is Naaman. 
And so here it is at the time of the Armenian raiders, not the Las Vegas raiders, have invaded because they haven't invaded nothing. Okay. The land of Israel. And amongst their captives was a young girl who had been given the name of his wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. This is a whole other message in itself. A young girl said, I wish you would go to the prophet and the prophet can heal you. Don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. Don't let anyone despise you because of your age. And he would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king, hey, this little girl said if I go here, that guy will heal me. So then the king said, go visit him. I'll send a letter. I'll give you a really good uh, referral letter to take to the king. So Naaman started out, and he carried some gifts. 750 pounds. Come on. Silver, 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing. Think about this. He's buying his miracle. So then he goes, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God that I can give my life? And take it away. Why is this man asking me to do the impossible? To do the impossible. You like that? The tie into our last collection. Come on, somebody. Okay. I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to pick a fight with me. But then Elijah, the man of God, he heard what the king of Israel did. So he sent his message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman goes, Awesome. He sends my horses and chariots, and he waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times, seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. So go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. You know what that is? He's water baptizing himself seven times, seven times, seven times you will be restored and be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry. And he stalked, like you know that's anger right there, you stalked away. He thought he would certainly come out and meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call in the name of the Lord God, and heal me. I am leaving this church. Peace out, right? Out in the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Far, far better than any of the rivers of Israel. Shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and he went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him. They said, Naaman, listen, the prophet told you to do something very difficult, which you've done it. You should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Nathan went down to the Jordan. He dipped himself seven times as the man of God has instructed him. His skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. And he was healed. I love this because Naaman was angry in a rage. He stalked away, which is, I don't know what word that is, but he was ticked off. He said, I'm not going to do those things. Rivers over here would be better. You should just wave your hand. And at the very end, he finally said, fine. He went down to the Jordan River, didn't talk about his attitude then, but he obeyed. But he obeyed, and he was healed of his leprosy. So according to the story of Naaman, I want to present a topic today of why we don't follow the instructions. Why we don't follow the instructions. 
Man, I might be talking to uh, some church people today because the instructions is, is, is the word of God. The instruction is from Genesis to Revelation. The instruction is, man, if we confess with our mouth, the instruction is be holy. The instruction is uh, A, B, and C. But sometimes we receive the instructions, but we just don't follow the instructions. And I want to point out in the very beginning, though Naaman was mighty, he suffered from leprosy. I don't know about you, but I think this is significant. Um, have you ever suffered uh, in the middle of like a sickness or when you're suffering, you just don't feel like doing much, right? Uh, what is it, in December, I had the, we had the flu, I suffered. I mean, it was like, Lindsay, take care of the kids. You know what I mean? Like, I suffered. And when you're suffering, you just don't have a lot of tenacity. When you suffer, you don't have a lot of motivation. But here's Naaman. He suffered from leprosy. And I think this is key for us today because many of us, we're suffering. We live in a broken and sinful world. We live in a world of, of pain. We live in a world of sickness. We live, in, uh, we live in a world of sin. But for many of us, I think this is key to why we don't follow the instructions. I know some of the instructions that, that I have. If I go somewhere called Planet Fitness and if I suffer, I'll have good results. There's results that I would like. I wish the instruction said do one sit-up and you'll have a six-pack. Can I get an amen? I wish it was just Frankie could just wave his hand over me and I'd be jacked. You know what I mean? Like, blah. But suffering's involved in order to have some growth. But here's the thing about James chapter 1. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. When suffering comes your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. You and I call this, I call this a psychopath. Right? Like everything's fine. <laughs> my world's falling apart. My house burned down. My wife left me. <laughs> but it's a different kind of joy that James is talking about. James is saying, you know what, this suffering that you're in, the trials that you're going through, the tribulations taking place, it's actually benefiting you. Have great joy to know that your faith, when it is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. You will be complete, needing nothing. Symbolic of the number seven. But one of the reasons why we don't follow the instructions, point number one, is because it's hard. Because it's hard. It's hard. Like I know what to do if I want to be spiritually mature. Right? I, I, I know what to do if I want to lose weight. I, I know what to do. I, but when it's 8 o'clock at night and you're hungry and you got cookies on the counter, can I get an amen, somebody? When you sit down, play some cards, you know you got to have a bowl of M&M's. Because it's hard. But one of the reasons why we don't follow the instructions, because I think for somewhere along the lines of Christianity, that maybe we heard it or maybe we thought it, I believe this is kind of a, a, a preconceived idea that if I give my life to Jesus, I will live a comfortable life. Right? Like if I give my life to Jesus... Yeah, no more pain, no more sorrow, no, no more depression, no more. That's heaven, friends. And we want God to bring heaven to earth. But nowhere in the Bible does it say if you give your life to Jesus, you'll have a comfortable life. 
Nowhere. There's only three places in the Bible that I found when, when Jesus, when he was suffering and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by the, by the devil himself. At the very end, angels came and comforted Jesus in that season. Another time was when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. It was like blood, uh, 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 he sweat like blood drops and he told his disciples, can you not pray or tarry for one hour? And then when he went back, the angels came and the angels ministered to him. They brought him comfort, but they didn't remove him from the cross. Jesus still did something hard, but in that moment was comfort. That's why after the cross, Jesus said, I must go so I can send you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. The counselor, the one who will comfort us in the middle of our trials. The one who will comfort us in the middle of our suffering. That's why last week community is so important. My community will comfort me when I'm suffering. My community will comfort me and lift me up when I don't have strength to lift myself up. But a lot of times we don't follow the instructions. We quit and we give up because it's hard. But as your pastor, I want to challenge you, comfort is not completion. And I wonder if we're thinking, I'm not comfortable, therefore I'm not complete. You're probably more complete than you think. That God is doing a good work inside of you. He's doing a good work inside of you. Because friends, healing comes after hard. We can have church. We could, we could, we could close right here, couldn't we? Because healing does come after hard. We can do hard things. You can do hard things. There's people in our life that we've counseled and they've had to write down and put on their, uh, a note, a little note on their mirror that says, I can do hard things. I can do difficult things. Comfort has become an idolatry in their life. Comfort has been something that we're striving after. And I'm not saying don't be successful, don't be smart, don't use wisdom. But I'm saying allow God to heal your heart. But it's hard. It's hard. But here's what I want to talk about real quick. I want to talk to the Naamans in the room. Naamans could be a small percentage in this room, but here's what I love about Naaman. Second Kings. The prophet told you Naaman. Naaman, Naaman, Naaman. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I know you're ticked off. But Naaman, the prophet told you to do something difficult. Wouldn't you have done it? This, is, this tells me what kind of man Naaman was. Naaman was like the David Groggins of Second Kings chapter 5. You know what I'm talking about? Like Naaman, the tough stuff. Naaman was like, what? I'm a commander of the army and I have leprosy. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You know, like, like you understand who I am? I'm Naaman. I do tough stuff. I can't even feel my limbs and I'm still fighting in the battle. Naaman's the kind of guy that'd be like, this young generation, they're lazy. This young generation, they, don't, they ain't going to make a worth of a difference. That is Naaman. And they said, Naaman, you do everything difficult. You know how to do hard things. So, so wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be certainly easy to just obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured? It was simple. Naaman, I know, I know, like Naaman's up at 5 a.m. at the gym. Come on. He's running, he's looking people in the eye on that treadmill like he's crazy. He's got crazy amount of discipline, crazy amount of motivation. But the reason why Naaman doesn't want to follow the instructions, the reason why the Naamans in this room don't want to follow the instructions, and I relate to Naaman very much so, but the reason why is because it wasn't our idea. Woo, I'm preaching good today, huh? No, first service was like, oh, God, people left. No, I'm kidding. Because it wasn't our idea. 
excuse me? Like, do you know my story? Do you know where I've been? Do you know who I am? And you want me to go dip myself by myself in a river seven times? One, two, three. That's it? Because it wasn't his idea. How many times do we receive a word from the Lord and we go, no, too easy. No. You want me to be holy? <laughs> it's 2024, Lord. You want me to be set apart? <laughs> it wasn't his idea. But I'm going to take it a step further. It wasn't only just, not, it wasn't his idea. Because for name, it wasn't too hard. It was too simple. But not only was it too simple for Naaman, and this is kind of the mindset of who Naaman really is. For Naaman, it wasn't too simple. For Naaman, it was too stupid. That's dumb. You want me to, what? You want, no, you won't be better if all these people that brought with me, all the chariots, all the horsemen, all the gold, all the stuff, you'll be awesome if you just waved your hand and like a magic show at the Luxor. Come on, somebody. That would be incredible. You know what? The Jordan River, did you know the Jordan River during Naaman's time and in the times of Jesus? It was a dirty river. It wasn't a clear river. The river in Damascus, those two rivers in Damascus was like Caribbean waters. It was clean and beautiful. Come on, somebody. It was like, go to Prompt and go in that river. I'm good. If you live in Prompt, I apologize. But he's saying, it's too stupid. I don't like that idea. You know, I've had many conversations with the Lord, and I say, God, that's too simple. Lord, I, I, I have a better idea, Lord. And I've realized long ago that God's preference is not our preference. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And I love what Naaman said. I love that there's somebody in 2 Kings who's, who's there at that time and wrote down exactly what Naaman said. You ever had like a fly-in-the-wall experience? This is what it is. We're in the back room. We're eavesdropping. And Naaman goes, guys, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, to call in the name of the Lord God and heal me. Aren't the rivers better? Well, I, I, I expected him. See, many times we don't follow the instructions because we didn't get what we expected. You know, I didn't expect eight and a half years ago for the Lord to tell Lindsay and I, plant a church. I remember that in my prayer time, plant a church. I said, what? Plant a church. Start a church? Like, plant, like, I thought weirdos did that. I thought strange people did that. I thought, like, what do I do? Like, stand in my front door and have church in my living room. And, like, when people walk by, hey, you want to go to church? It's right, it's right here. <laughs> I didn't know what that looked like. But how I many know God is amazing. And God is incredible. When he, equip, when, he, when he calls you, he equips you. And so, man, we went on a journey of going to Alabama and, 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 and having other networks and other people, other individuals. And, and in 2016, 85 adults plus their kiddos, so over 100 people, we launched a life-giving, incredible church on February 12, 2017. And look what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen? Okay. <laughs> Come next week, all right? We'll have confetti. But I also expected God to do some incredible things, and he did. The first three years was explosive growth. Hundreds of people were coming. But I didn't expect the pandemic to happen. 
Man, after being closed for eight months because of our, our facilities, because they held, they, they, held our, they held our destiny because they owned the building. But when we finally opened up our team, we expected for this to be like a reunion, didn't we? We're like, yes, we're together! And day one was like, it's a funeral. <laughs> this is so hard, so difficult, not what we expected. But can I tell you what God did in that season? He did more in me than, than my expectations. Than my expectations. I look back and go, wow, tough, difficult, hard, totally not my idea. I have better ideas. But I'm now better. Empathy, compassion. I fully trust the Lord. But here's what blows my mind. Here's what blows my mind. Naaman had the instructions. Like I would go back and go, Naaman, he just, he just told you, go down there and dip yourself seven times and you will be healed. What else you want, bro? Like, like, like what else? See, Naaman had the instructions. And if more, as much as I want to shake him, I wonder when we get to heaven, Paul or Peter or Je Jesus won't. But somebody else will shake us and go, you had the instructions. You had Genesis and ours ended at the minor prophets, but you had the gospels. You had James. You had John. You had the New Testament. You have the instructions. So here's the word of the Lord for us today. Just follow the instructions. Just follow the instructions. The simple, silly instructions. They're silly when you line it up with culture. It's silly when we line it up in today's age. But how many know when you follow the simple instructions, they're powerful instructions. They're incredible instructions. They will change your life instructions. Somebody just told me uh, after this last service, she goes, Pastor, my, my entire family, we came to this church. And did you know after being here for six years at the church, all seven of my family members have given their life to Jesus Christ? I said, seven! Just ah! follow the instructions. But here in Joshua chapter um, 6, and I want to end with this story, and I love this. This worship team, come on, come on up here. This is Joshua. Moses is dead, so we're going back a little further. Moses died. Joshua's now in charge. And God says, let's go into the promised land. So they go into the promised land, promised land. And here's Jericho, the very first city. It says, now the Jericho was tightly shut, the gates, because people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua some instructions. I have given you Jericho. Now I want you to paint this picture. Jericho is fortified. It's got walls, probably archers on the, on the top of those walls. It is a fortified city. And God tells Joshua, hey, I got some instructions for you. I've already given it to you. Can you imagine that? Joshua's like, ah, uh, <laughs> okay, it's still there, though. Like, it's still there. I love how he talks in past tense. He talks in past tense. It already happened. But it's king and all his strong warriors. You and your fighting men, you're going to march around the town once a day for six days. For six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Now, this does not make sense. Because in battle, 
They, the warriors will go first. For this battle, they have, they have the priests first carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They did not carry the Ark of the Covenant because one battle they had, they got defeated and they, the bad guys took the Ark of the Covenant. But the Ark of the Covenant did fine all by itself, by the way. But the ram's horn, they never used ram's horn. That was a priest's horn. Usually the warriors would use iron or, or silver horns or golden horns. But he says, I want you to march around the town. Seven, uh, on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times. After the seventh time, the priest is going to blow the horns. When you hear the priest, give one long blast on the ram's horns. Have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and people will charge straight into the town. Think about this silly Stupid instructions. Maybe that should have been my title. Silly and stupid. So Joshua goes, okay, hey guys, I just heard from, the, like, 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 this, like this is the SWAT team, and then you got the priests. You know what I mean? Like work one day a week, you know, like. And he goes, guys, I heard from God. I got some instructions. What are they? We're going to march around one time for six days. And they're like, what? You know, what are we going to do, taunt them? Hey, we're going to get you. Watch out. But on the seventh time, we're going to march around seven times. On the seventh day, seven times. And then we're going to shout. We're going to blow our trumpets. <laughs> Sounds like a good church service, huh? Let's plunder hell. Toot our horns, you know. <laughs> and we'll just shout. That's it. That's it. But then Joshua chapter 6, verse 10 says, but don't shout. Don't even talk. He commanded. Not a single word. From any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. I love that Naaman and Joshua both received instructions. Simple instructions. Instructions that placed more on God than it did on them. Instructions that said, just go wash yourself, go dip yourself seven times. So Joshua, just go march around seven times. One, 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 one time every six days, and then the seven day, seven times. That's it. And I love what Joshua said. Joshua said, shut up. Don't say a word. Don't say nothing. I wonder if he had more insight during the flesh of man, more insight on how, what, how we would really react. Because he said, don't complain. Don't say nothing. We're just going to march. Don't you dare taunt them. Don't you dare set one of them off. We're just going to march. We're just going to march. See, Naaman received instructions, and he complained about it. Joshua received instructions, but he walked in it. But he walked in it. But he walked in it. I believe that's a word for somebody today. God has gave you, God has given you instructions that line up with his word. It has to line up with his word. It cannot be just some grandiose, but he has given you some specific instructions. And you are walking in it. And you're getting tired in it. You haven't seen it yet. It hasn't taken place yet. And you're just believing for God to do the incredible. But maybe your speech is getting you in trouble. Maybe your speech is saying it should have happened by now. It should have taken place by now. If they, if they, if they could. But Joshua, he walked in it. See, there's a difference between walking in, the, in disobedience and complaining rather than walking in obedience with a word that hasn't happened yet. I know in this room there are buried dreams in your heart. I know in this room God has spoken to you, and it could have been years ago. And I'm, I'm challenging you today, walk in it. 
walk in it. Pick up that dream. Pick up that promise. Pick up those instructions. Pick up God's word and just walk in it. I believe there's people in this room, you say, I haven't grown in my faith. I don't know if God's real. I'm about to deconstruct this whole thing. I'm saying, pick up your Bible and walk in it. How can a young man keep his way pure by hiding the word in his heart? Man, how can we be set apart, be holy, for God is holy? How do we do these things? Just pick up the instructions, and I want you to walk in it. Friends, can you keep walking when you don't see it yet? Because I don't know about you, but I'm, by day, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. On day four, I'll be like, this is dumb. I'm quit. I'm going back to the other side of the river. I'm going back to the wilderness because this is stupid. This is silly. If I was Naaman, Naaman had all his horsemen, all his chariots. He had his employees looking at him. He had his soldiers that were beneath him standing by watching. Probably some going, ha, ha. And he's going, one, two. I mean, I'd be like, three, this is stupid, four. I have the word of the Lord for you. Don't you dare quit on sex. Don't you dare quit on six. Don't quit on five. Don't quit on four. Don't quit on three. Don't quit on two. Don't quit. Don't quit on six. Don't you dare quit. I want you to walk in it. I want to ask you today, can you still serve even if you don't see it yet? Can you still walk for Jesus even though it hasn't happened yet? Can you still believe for God to do incredible things to the impossible even if it hasn't taken place yet? Can you still make an impact in this city? Can you still say, I love Jesus with all my heart, mind, and soul even though I've seen nothing take place? Man, can you keep walking when you don't see it yet? Now hear me out. Don't, don't read between the lines. This church, we're never quitting. Man, we are never giving up. We are, we, we, Jesus looked at Peter and said, I will build my church. So we are called to build big people, not big buildings. We will never quit. We will never quit. We will never quit. I learned this this week. That we talked a little bit about leprosy last week. Talking about community and loneliness. That loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Because with leprosy, when you contract it, I mean, you, you begin to lose feeling. Um, even limbs will start to go out. They, they even would document it would be skin, bone, flesh would then start to rot. Uh, a leprous person would fall asleep and literally rats would eat their, their limbs off because there's no feeling. And we, 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 we translate that today as us just feeling so numb. I, I just don't feel like it. I just don't. But I, I learned this week that the very last stage of leprosy, I mean, they'll lose ears and eyes and limbs. But the very last stage of leprosy is it'll attack their vocal cords. And they will be unable to speak in that final stage of leprosy. And I found it fascinating that leprosy affects your voice last, but God wanted the Israelites to shout last because there's power in their voice. There's power in what we do and what we say, what we believe. Faith comes by hearing. And so I hope I'm encouraging somebody here today. Man, I hope I'm encouraging you. Man, when you go to Connect one day, because you haven't lost your voice. 
You haven't lost your purpose. You haven't lost your calling. Man, God is exploding this church. Last week, there was 12 babies in the nursery. Come on, somebody. Be fruitful and multiply. I need you in the nursery, too. I believe the devil's been throwing hard at you. Because he knows if he can throw hard at you, we'll quit, we'll give up. Well, I mean, no, we're not quitters. That we know when the crap comes our way, forgive me, 11 a.m. We know that when the devil intends for evil, God's going to turn around for good. Then I know trials and the test, it's only going to make me stronger. It's only going to make me better. And it's not Super Jeremy. It is a man who is humble enough to trust the Lord with all my heart, to lean on my own understanding. I'll make acknowledge him in all my ways, even if it's silly, even if it's simple, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to watch God move in this church, in my life, and in your life. Amen. Will you stand with me, please, as I close out in prayer real quick? And uh, I did not do this first service, but I feel like someone needs to shout. Now, I grew up, and uh, even in ministers' meetings, right? Ministers' meetings, they'd be like, Jericho March. I mean, we would do like the, the conga line. You know what I'm saying? Like that, 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 that. And then we would march around the building. I was always going, well, we march. And then we shout, isn't the building going to fall down? Like, we need this place next week, you know? But it is symbolic of taking territory. Pastor Lindsay and I and our staff, we have marched around buildings in our city. We have. Feel stupid doing it, too. But we're like, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. Security comes out. What are you doing? This is mine, you know? <laughs> no. Won't he do it? And that's what I love about what happened this week. Pastor Lindsay, Amy called us, head of our prayer team. She said, James chapter 5. We didn't just do something to do something. Because James chapter 5 says, call the elders of the church, grab some oil, anoint that person, and they will be healed. That's it. We weren't, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't like, we didn't close the curtains. We didn't put worship music on. I mean, I was literally like, oil. I went down to the kitchen. I didn't have my little oil that I have here on Sunday mornings. So I brought it out. I was like, Crisco. You know, I brought out the big old olive oil that we use for cooking. Ah, she was like, stop it. I was like, I'm, I got you, baby. You know, I'm going to anoint you, girl, and then fillet you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and you know what we did? And she was like, what are you doing? I said, a little dab. I put a little dab on top of her head. And I followed the instructions. I just said, anoint the sick and they will be healed. Some of you need to get over that cookie reference, some of y'all. And we have prayed for her. And after I prayed pray for her, she goes, I feel better. And I'm like, stop playing. And even Levi goes, my calf. <laughs> and he goes, shut up. I go, hey. Then later on, she even went, what? Oh, all oh, this oil up here. Because we, I didn't want to do it here because, you know, the anointing causes zits, everybody. Come on, somebody. But can I just tell you, it was simple. It was simple. It was simple. Do me a favor. Will you buy close your eyes as I close? 
It's so simple. It's so simple. If I confess with my mouth that he is Lord, if I say forgive me of my sins, all those years of gunk, all those years of pain, all the mistakes, regrets, and guilt, really, in that moment, God will forgive me and cleanse me? That's too simple. Really anoint the sick? Anoint him with oil and you'll heal me? That's too simple. Friends, it's not simple, it's powerful. And somebody needs to hear this today. God is not the author of confusion. So with every head out of eye closed, I want the Holy Spirit to remind you of your simple instructions. Go ahead, Leah, just sing for just a moment. But maybe for you in this room, you're going to pick up a dream that you buried long ago. Maybe somebody in this room, you're going to lay down comfort. Comfort has been your goal, and that is not God's goal. That is not God's goal for your life. Maybe you're able to have comfort because God wants to use you to make an eternal difference on this planet, the short time that we have here. Maybe you think, I'm not young enough. I'm past my prime. No, God has a dream on the inside of you that he's placed. I want you to ask God, what is that specific instruction? But for many of us in this room, I want God to bring scripture to your memory. Scripture to your memory. Just follow the instructions. Be set apart. Live holy. Obey his commands. Love your neighbor. Don't covet thy wife's, thy neighbor's wife. Don't let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Encourage, edify. You're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're not saved by works. But because he saved you, he created you for good works. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. It is not your ways. It is not your ways. It is not your plans. It is God's ways. And it's his thoughts. And it's his purpose that he's placed on the inside of you. So Lord, help us. Remind us today. Remind us today. Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. Thank you for that reminder today. That's the Holy Spirit. Whatever head about have I closed? If that's you today, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. 
I'll just raise one hand just so I know who I'm praying for. And I'm so proud of you. One, anyone else? Two, anyone else? Three, three, anyone else? Four, I see the hand over there, four. Come on, five, I see the hand, five hands. Proud of you. Six hands, all right, I see that over there. I'm so proud of you. I hope this message encouraged you today. I hope you go to Connect one day. Hope you bring seven people to our birthday next week. But this moment is for you. I want everyone to lift your voice and say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say forgive me of my sins. Say be Lord of my life. Say the best way I know how. I'm going to follow the instructions. Because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody.